Yo, 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 you're tuned in to another conservative. My name is Chaz Neal. Um, you are brought here today by the Neon Block Independent Media. Urban conservative is all about transparency, accountability, the rules on the streets, and what harms our community the most. Um, one thing we're going to uh, really just jump right into uh is hidden black history that they don't teach you at school. Um, and I really wanted to get in detail in this uh, for the simple fact that I feel that there's so much history that isn't being taught. So uh, let's just get right into it. Hidden black, Oklahoma's hidden black history. Oklahoma had 45 black towns and municipalities was capital of black self-determination. Black people came for the same reasons whites, for new possibilities. There's a public library, a black library. There are chili houses, cafes, restaurants. There's just everything there. There were a dozen surgeons and doctors. There were several lawyers. There was a black-owned photography studio. To make African-Americans wealthy, landowners, entrepreneurs, they both knew what the state of Oklahoma was offering. Oklahoma represents a unique time period in black history that most African Americans are unaware of, but not many people know this, or that the town still contains prominent remnants of the beginning of black glory and renaissance, the 13 all-black towns. Well, I'm here to change that. Oklahoma was once thought to be the land of opportunities, especially for African Americans. To this day, it can be seen as the black capital of all America, and for good reason. Oklahoma was known for its Black Wall Street. But what most of y'all don't know is that Oklahoma actually had around 100 Wall Streets. Of course, these were all smaller versions, but they were prominent enough to be noticed, and some of them still exist today. But how did Oklahoma get these exclusive black towns during an era of e Oklahoma's hidden black history? Oklahoma had 45 black towns and municipalities was capital of black self-determination. Black people came for the same reasons whites, for new possibilities. There's a public library, a black library. There are chili houses, cafes, restaurants. There's just everything there. There were a dozen surgeons and doctors. There were several lawyers. There was a black-owned photography studio. To make African-Americans wealthy, landowners, entrepreneurs, they both knew what the state of Oklahoma was offering. Oklahoma represents a unique time period in black history that most African Americans are unaware of, but not many people know this or that the town still contains prominent remnants of the beginning of black glory and renaissance, the 13 all-black towns. Well, I'm here to change that. Oklahoma was once thought to be the land of opportunities, especially for African Americans. To this day, it can be seen as the black capital of all America. And for good reason. Oklahoma was known for its Black Wall Street. But what most of y'all don't know is that Oklahoma actually had around 100 Wall Streets. Of course, these were all smaller versions, but they were prominent enough to be noticed, and some of them still exist today. But how did Oklahoma get these exclusive black towns during an era of intense racial opposition? Allow me to explain. 
Oklahoma was home to as many as 50 prospering all-black towns in the 1920s. Though these towns were primarily occupied for farming and agricultural purposes, black-owned businesses soon started to spring up in and around the areas as well. What began as small farming communities quickly turned into full-fledged towns with schools, churches, stores, and more. Oklahoma was also home to one of the first all-black theaters in American history, the Black Theater of Ardmore. That's right. When discriminative segregation laws prohibited blacks from entering entertainment houses, they built their own. Despite the oppressive Jim Crow laws and a mass black exodus from these areas, 13 of these towns still exist to this day. These towns include Bowley, Clearview, Brooksville, Grayson, Lima, Langston, Redbird, Summit, Rentiesville, Taft, Vernon, Tallahassee, and Tatums. Bowley is the largest, most prosperous, and prominent of these all-black towns, named after the railroad official J.B. Bowley. The history of how these black towns came into existence is particularly interesting because it involved the intermingling of two diverse races, the American Indians and the African Americans. Before the Civil War, the five civilized Indian American tribes owned numerous black chattel slaves. However, during the Civil War in America, the five tribes chose to side with the South and lost in battle. After the loss, the lands of the American Indians were taken and the historical event of the Trail of Tears happened. The end of the Civil War also saw the emancipation of enslaved black people. The African Americans no longer belonged to the Indians or to white Americans. At the same time, Oklahoma was promoted as a promised land to black Americans, where they would receive fields for farming. With this in mind, Numerous black families landed in Oklahoma and started small farming communities from 1865 to the 1920s. These communities then grew into the well-known black towns of the time. As we all know, the black community's drive for excellence and spirit of hard work is unmatched. Black Americans live free from racial discrimination and prejudice. Community members could rely on each other for all sorts of assistance and open farmers markets would help the community grow and become self-reliant. It wasn't long before these towns became a central point for black prosperity. American Indians also settled around these small towns and the two communities were frequently persecuted. There were reasons for them to join hands and establish their own independent lands with help from one another. Oklahoma was the hub of prosperity unity and growth for the black community. At this point, E.P. McCabe, the former state auditor of Kansas, pushed Congress with legislation to declare Oklahoma as the first all-black state. But this dream remained just that, as Congress rejected the appeal. Before the towns could progress further, strict and highly prejudiced laws were established in America that severely hindered black Americans flourishing. Strict Jim Crow laws were established throughout America and racial segregation was firmly established. Disillusioned by the state of affairs and what was supposed to be the new black Mecca, many African-Americans fled their towns in search of better opportunities. Over the years, the 50 black towns dwindled as the black population reduced. And now, only 13 of these exist in the 21st century. The all-black state dream was never actualized. But Oklahoma did see numerous accomplishments being achieved by the black community, which quickly changed their status in the country. Despite the resistance, the 13 historic all-black towns are a small reminder of what the African-American community is capable of. That's it for now, folks. But keep watching this space for more interesting content about black history and more. And of course, don't forget to hit the subscribe.
so so if you are interested uh that is black history uh unlocked uh and i will put the the name of the channel in there and it honestly i learned a, a lot by uh watching not only do they have uh this uh, video, but they have other videos that are, are very, very, very uh, informative, uh, I believe, anyways. So let's watch this other one. It's about 13 minutes uh, long. But I really want people to really see what we're not being taught because it, that does matter talk about black history and notable events without mentioning the black panther party at any point the interesting revolution was one of the things that changed the perspectives and lives of black people all over the united states of america one of the major turning points in the history of african americans is the 1960s civil rights legislation that was passed racial oppression was a constant part of every black american's life in that period well, it's only slightly different now, but back in the 1950s, black people decided they had had enough and it was time for them to fight for their rights. As a result, the American Civil Rights Movement began protesting against racial segregation and discrimination. The enslaved black Americans got a chance at emancipation with the basic civil rights they got in the 14th and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Although this amendment happened in the 1960s, black Americans were still discriminated against because of their race. The government couldn't provide federal protection to these civil rights for black Americans. This is why different groups of black people came up, deciding to protect themselves as much as they could. One of the products of this meaningful decision is the Black Panther Party. It was a thriving solution to the problem till the unthinkable happened and everything came crashing down. So what exactly happened to the Black Panthers? Let's find out. We hate oppression. We hate murder of black people in our communities. All the people don't have justice. All the people don't have power. So that means none of us do. You can tell a revolutionary, but you can't tell a revolutionary. The racial segregation in California started in Oakland. Just like in Greenwood District, many people were attracted by Oakland's booming economy after the Second World War. Southern African Americans and also white people kept moving to the region. However, with time, more black people were now living in Oakland compared to white people. This would have been a great experience for black people then. However, there was a major problem. The city's police force. White people majorly dominated this police force. With the combination of a dominantly white police force and a group of ex-Southern whites, all the black Americans had was more experiences of segregation and discrimination coupled with police brutality. This continued until a couple of young people said it was enough. This final resistance was provoked by a tragic incident. An unarmed black American teenager, Matthew Johnson, was murdered by a San Francisco policeman. It was bad enough that the murderer wasn't arrested. Then the situation escalated as 12,000 National Guard troops were sent to terrorize residents who had no form of defense, only because they were angry that a cop had not been arrested. 
who wouldn't get mad? A teenager was killed for absolutely no reason. It was this event that finally led two Oakland residents, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton, to create the Black Panther for Self-Defense Party. This self-defense party was created to serve the major aim of promoting equal employment, housing, and justice for all while protecting black communities all over from police brutality. The principles of this Black Panther self-defense party were greatly influenced by some of the philosophies of Malcolm X regarding black pride. Also, the party was solely inspired by Malcolm X's belief in using armed self-defense to escape white oppression. The Black Panther Party wasn't only created as a protection against police brutality, it was glaring that there were certain capitalists and superior black people who also participated in oppressing black people with less social and economic statuses. This was happening very frequently, and the Black Panther Party decided they had enough. Founded in 1966, the Black Panther Self-Defense Party provided armed citizen patrols, monitoring police activities in black communities all over Oakland and other cities in the United States as they expanded over the years. As they continued to patrol, they began to gain more popularity and attention from different people. Creating political and social activities in the black community, more black people started to join the cause, increasing the reach of the beneficial party. As the reach increased, Black Panthers got support from cities and urban regions that had large minority communities. Some included Philadelphia, Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. With all this, two years after its establishment, 1968, the Black Panther Self-Defense Party had around 2,000 members supporting its cause around the United States of America. Like every other successful organization, the Black Panther Self-Defense Party, or as it was more regarded, the Black Panther Party, had its running laws and principles that kept it going. As they drew on Marxist ideologies for running the party, there was a special outline for the political objectives and philosophical views of the company. This outline was called the 10-point program in the party. The 10-point program had an outline of all the goals of the Black Panther Party and what they wanted for Black Americans all over the country. These 10 points are freedom and power to determine the destiny of the community, full employment for Black people, end to robbery done by capitalists of the Black community, decent housing for Black Americans, proper education, teaching the true history, Black men being exempted from military service, an immediate end to police brutality and murder, freedom for all Black men held in prisons, Black people on trial should be judged by people from black communities. Save yourself, ditch the almond milk. Probably notice there's a lot of alternatives to milk, often plant-based, but beware. Just because it came from a plant doesn't mean it's good. Access to clothing, land, housing, education, peace, and justice. Looking at all these points, the Black Panther Party wasn't really asking for too much, were they? The Black Panther Party didn't just make this list of things they wanted for the black community without acting. They carried out different plausible actions. The Black Panther Party continued their patrols in accordance with the California law, which allows them to carry out firearms in public. However, the racist legislators in the state decided to carry out a racist bill which aimed to make carrying firearms in public illegal. The main aim of this was just to destroy the new power balance that black people now had access to.
the Black Panther Party decided to protest to stand up for their gun rights. These armed Black Panthers started a peaceful protest in the state capitol for a news conference. However, they didn't stop the governor, Ronald Reagan, from signing the bill into law, although it was made to disarm the Black Panthers. However, this didn't stop the Black Panthers from doing their best for Black communities all over. Local chapters of the Black Panther Party in different Black communities carried out different community programs, which they called survival programs. One of these was the Free Breakfast Program, which was a huge success. The Black Panther Party fed 20,000 children every day. They also had a free food programs for families and elderly people in the community. The Black Panther Party also sponsored Black children's schooling, legal aid offices, health clinics, sickle cell testing centers in different cities, and local transportation and clothing distribution all over Black communities. These actions were significant as they serve as a huge support for low-income Black communities. As a result, the Black Panthers kept gaining more popularity and support from people all over. By 1969, three years after its establishment, Black Panther Party had 49 local chapters with a total of 5,000 members. At this rate, Black Panther Party had reached its peak till it wasn't there anymore. The Black Panthers are the single greatest threat to our national security, more than the Chinese, even more than the Russians. Our counterintelligence program must prevent the rise of a Black Messiah from among their midst. Despite the fact that the Black Panther Party had many amazing achievements that helped develop the Black communities that they were targeting, certain members of the government and the general community saw them as a threat, a game even. The downfall of the Black Panther Party started when the members of the party started making headlines for arrests and fights. There were many incidents of shootouts and violent confrontations. One of them includes an incident that happened with the party's leader, Huey Newton. In 1967, Newton allegedly killed a white Oakland police officer, John Frey, in a violent encounter. So, in 1968, Huey Newton was taken to trial and was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. He was sentenced to 2 to 15 years in prison. Newton ended up being a political prisoner. A lot of the people in the black community basically saw that as Newton being a victim of a biased trial and court system. This conviction was what began the downfall of the Black Panther Party. The supporters of Newton went onto the streets to start protesting the verdict. They believe it was an unfair trial as there was no definitive evidence, only varied accounts of who shot who first. Their protest wasn't in vain as Newton was released from jail two years later after two different trials caused the district attorney to dismiss the charges. However, the release of the co-founder of the Black Panther Party didn't change the state of the situation. Many altercations and conflicts were happening both inside and outside the organization. For instance, the editor of Black Panther's official newspaper, Elridge Cleaver, and a 17-year-old Black Panther treasurer and a member got involved in a shootout with members of the Oakland police. This shootout ended badly, causing the death of Hutton while leaving two of the police officers wounded. These conflicts also got bad within the party as the members started to spiral out of control without their leader's presence. In 1969, Alex Rackley, a bona fide Black Panther member, was accused of being a police informant by other members in his chapter. This resulted in him getting tortured and murdered by the members. Another example of this eternal conflict is the death of one of the Black Panther's bookkeepers, Betty Ann Patter. 
She was found beaten and murdered in 1974, long after Newton got out of prison. Although nobody was charged with her death, many people believe that the leaders of the party were responsible for it. Following this constant state of unrest in the party, they became a major target for the FBI. Even while the Black Panther Party was peaceful and focused only on its goals, the federal government had its doubts due to its socialist message and black nationalist focus. This is exactly what made them attract the attention of a secret FBI counterintelligence program. After watching the Black Panther for years after its establishment, the FBI made a declaration in 1969 stating that the Black Panther was a communist organization being a threat and enemy of the United States government. This came a year after its first FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, said the Black Panthers were one of the biggest threats to the U.S. national internal security. With the Black Panthers being an FBI major target, they tried out different tactics to weaken the resolve and functionality of the Black Panther Party. They started by trying different methods to dismantle the social benefits of the free breakfast for children and all the other social community programs that the Black Panthers organized. As if this wasn't bad enough, the FBI started using different unjust methods to dismantle the organization completely. They started by using existing rival parties and feasting on the existing rivalries that were going on between different black nationalist groups. After trying this, they went on to humiliate and charge the members of the party falsely. They ensured these members were in prison despite being innocent. The FBI also planned events that led to the death of Black Panther Party members. The FBI instigated an event between the Chicago Police Department and some members which led to the death of the members. Evidence showed that among the hundreds of bullet casings from that encounter, only one came from the Panther's side. The Black Panther Party was officially dissolved in 1982. Black people have encountered so many incidents over the years with unjust treatment from the government of the United States of America. However, the incident of the FBI going to any length to dismantle the Black Panther Party, even going as far as being involved... The ideal college is an A-plus school and an A-plus city, and that's exactly what you'll find at the In what year will the human population So we are back, we are back, we are back. Um, I just know that from my own experience of being a black man and going to school, there's a lot of things that I've learned as being an adult that I'd never learned um, as a kid. Um, so I hope that others uh, learn something today. Uh, next, I want to get into uh, where's the egg? You know, I see a lot of conspiracy theorists, uh, some wild, 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 wild. Um, is coming through as uh, Kanye West hasn't been found because he was never actually missing. Um, yeah, I mean, I would think that is, he has, um, 
you know, family, he's got kids. So I would think that, uh, that somebody would have, would have said something, uh, instead of just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. He was last spotted on December 18th. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, where is my dude Kanye at? Where's Kanye? Kanye was politically vocal on a number of podcasts and dropped from a number of partnerships, including Adidas, Balenciaga for anti-Semitism in October. It's crazy that people even say that because he, uh, yeah, anti-Semitic, my ass. Um, I'll never understand that. Anti-Semitic. Wow. Yeah, insane. But yeah, for he's not missing. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't be of that stature, um, have that much money, and just be off the face of the earth. The man's just not a. He's living his life. He's he's being private right now. There's a, a lot of times where, um, I feel like man, a lot of people should just get off the grid. Uh, because we all do it. There's situations where sometimes we just need to get off the grid. Um, but I hope that people really learn something today. Uh, because we have a long way to go. Uh, we have a long, 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 long way to go. Um, before we can even... Um, this really trips me out, though. The ideal for vaccination was introduced from the African tradition of inoculation by an enslaved person named Onsimus. Hmm. This really tripped me out. I didn't really know that one in four cowboys was black, but African-American cowboys are rarely seen in pop culture. That's crazy. Uh, during World War II, historically black universities and colleges were a place of refuge for persecuted Jews seeking asylum from Nazi Germany. I, I knew this one, that Katherine Johnson was a mathematician for NASA whose work was critical to sending astronauts into orbit and landing on the moon. There's actually a movie uh, that they did about that, and that was it was actually a really good one. Uh, Dr. Gladys West provided the calculations that led to modern day GPS. I think that is a really uh, big one for me because I don't even think people even know who Dr. Gladys um, West is. You know, she was a mathematician. Um, she was from Bourne, Sutherland, Virginia. Uh, Uh, interesting study of su subject of study GPS. She was born, Gladys May Brown was born in rural Virginia where her parents owned a small farm and it populated mostly by sharecroppers. Growing up when not in school, she spent much of her time helping to harvest crops on the family farm and occupation. She knew many of her peers would continue 
into adulthood in her community. The only clear options for a young black girl's future was continuing to farm or work at a tobacco pressing plant. Tobacco was a really, really, really um, beyond cotton. Uh, tobacco too was something that was really, that we black people did a lot with uh, to get crops going. So I hope people, like I said, learn something today because uh, when we know better, we do better. Uh, and it's reach one, teach one. Uh, but I just wanted to do a short little episode uh, about that because it, to me, that really, uh, it hit home. So before uh, May 25th, 2020. So I was hope that everybody would go uh, learn something and be able to teach future generations uh, the way the way man like cause we really 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 need to uh, <laughs> educate our people man so that we can overcome this poverty, this trauma, this generational trauma, this generational poverty, uh, and just overcome it. Uh, so on, until next time, one uh, or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, well. Every day, fighting for my life. Every day, fighting for my life, fighting for my life. Fighting for my life.